Hello, and welcome to Episode 1 of The Art of Adaptation, a podcast sponsored by Michigan State University's College of Arts and Letters. I'm Nate Davis. This week on the podcast, we talk to Kellen Ewell, a dance movement therapist based in Michigan. She tells us about her job as a dance therapist and how things have changed since the pandemic began. Enjoy the podcast. I'm Jason Dernay, and we're joined here today by Kellen Uhl. Kellen, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little about what, what you do. Yes. So I, I am a dance movement therapist, and I also am an instructor of dance, actually, at, at Michigan State. But I haven't been teaching, or I taught last fall. Don't teach again until next spring. <laughs> so I don't really identify with that experience right now, primarily yeah, I'm a dance movement therapist. It's a, it's a form of psychotherapy where we use movement and dance to promote healing for people. So and in, a, in a very brief explanation, that's what we do. Yeah, well, it, as far as I'm aware, you're one of only a handful in the state of Michigan, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, I'd say it's a pretty large field on the East Coast. There's quite a bit to be going on on the west coast it seems the middle <laughs> of the country we're we're working on it mm-hmm. um yeah i think there's about if you look at the website for the american dance therapy association you can see how many dance therapists are in michigan and i believe there are 14 actively in the state and there's a handful of us who are sort of in touch with one another and and really working during this time so yeah. So what is what is like your job look like? What do you do on a day to day basis? How does that all work? Because obviously, apparently in Michigan, we're not very familiar with that idea. It seems interesting that it's very yeah. popular all over the country, except for right where we are. So how does that look like? <laughs> well, I'm, there are definitely other states where it, where it is also not that popular. But um, yeah, dance movement therapy is lives under the umbrella of creative arts therapy. We share the space with music therapy, art therapy, poetry therapy, and drama therapy. And so there's five of us. And yes, our, our purpose is to really invite creative processes and different modes of, of art making into the therapy room. So you can think of it as a traditional psychotherapy, but bringing in the arts and it's gosh (laughs) it's complicated i think it's it's uh, let me tell you about my day-to-day maybe that'll that'll be more clear so right now i work in an inpatient psychiatric hospital we primarily treat people who are experiencing a mental health crisis whether it's related to mental illness or some other stressor in their life And yeah, so we see, I work with adolescents and I work with adults of all ages and all backgrounds. And they, they may come to the hospital for any number of reasons, whether it be, you know, experiencing suicidality or perhaps they made a suicide attempt or perhaps they're just experiencing an incredible amount of stress in their life that, that seems to be inhibiting their ability to function. And so 
for any number of reasons, they come to the hospital to, to get their bearings, to get <clears throat> stabilized perhaps on medication or um, to receive therapy. And so my job there is to provide dance movement therapy to people who are experiencing crises. And, and yeah, I think that it's kind of a, a radical idea still in, in this area to be, to be dancing in the inpatient psychiatric hospital. And, and yet I'm, I'm really proud of, of where I work and that they were, they were willing to sort of take a chance on me because I, I really had to pitch them <laughs> what we do. So whereas, you know, you're, when you go to, you know, a hospital in, in New York, maybe where I received my training, you're going to find creative arts therapists in every single type of health care facility, whether they be, you know, hospitals or, or assisted living facilities or even in, in prisons and preschools and pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, and then I, and and here, a dance therapist are really having to create their their roles in in different facilities. So, yeah, and it's it's obviously something that has worked very well. There's been patterns of success with it, and it seems very collaborative. How is that level of you know being there present with people and being collaborative? How has that been affected by you know all the issues with the COVID nineteen pandemic? Yes, forgive the dogs. Um, and it's barking in the background. So <laughs> in some ways, well, it's really interesting being a dance movement therapist during this pandemic, because first of all, despite the fact that I work with people experiencing crises, I, I somehow couldn't, I, well, I couldn't have ever imagined that I would be a frontline healthcare worker <laughs> during this time, that, um, that it would be so, yeah, just, just to be getting up and going to work and being considered an essential worker as a dance movement therapist. Um, I know that our work is important and essential, but I, I, yeah, I couldn't have imagined that, that I would be really actively working with people during this very delicate moment. And, you know, so in some ways I felt ill prepared simply in that I couldn't really get my mind around what was happening. I don't think, I mean, I'm thinking sort of back to the beginning of all this and how unprecedented it is and how many people, you know, all of us are sort of processing it in different ways. So in some ways I was like, what, what is happening? How is, how, how is it that I'm, you know, still, still working right now? And then in another way, I feel like creative arts therapists are perhaps some of the the most equipped people to work in not only a crisis, but just, you know, the, the essence of our work is that it's incredibly creative. It's incredibly adaptive. It requires an immense amount of flexibility. And, you know, we're working with human beings and we're working with human beings who are experiencing an incredible range of difference. And so we adapt to individuals constantly that's that's our work anyway so to have to adapt now you know it it's was just, just part of the job what, yeah exactly it just happened yes <laughs> and i can only imagine you've had almost a fight for how vital you are and how important you are and then suddenly that label of you are an essential you are a necessary part of this and have you found 
any level of like surprising success or you found ways to adapt that have, you know, persevered and you're finding great ways to communicate people? Have you been able to find some of those moments of, I guess, success and joy amid everything going on? Mm, Absolutely. Well, I think what's so, you know, I think what this time has really illustrated in our culture is in my very biased opinion, the need for more art and more therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Human beings are not only consuming more art, I think during this time, and some, some are making, you know, more art, but um, you know, this really, this time really illustrates that no one's in control down here. And that's a really scary sort of idea for us all to be confronted with. And therapy is really the process of, coping and and learning to um, manage whatever the outside world is throwing at you so that you can, you know, continue to grow, continue to thrive. You know, everybody has different goals in therapy, but I think what's been really cool about this time is that, you know, be continuing to go to work through all of this and really seeing my clients persevere and really bring their, you know, their, um, their challenges through all of this into the therapy room, you know, it's incredibly humbling for me. And also, you know, it's, it's a stressful time, I think, to be a therapist, because I have my own, just as always, therapists have their own anxiety, therapists have their own stress and worry. And it's actually been comforting to me to be able to go into the therapy room and, and really support other people during this time, which of course I get a lot out of myself. And so I would say, um, yeah, that, that during a time that is incredibly unprecedented, how many times have we heard that word during this, (laughs) during this current era, but it's really feels like the only word (laughs) to describe it. Um, the fact that we can still meet in the therapy room and use art and movement and talking to process what's so hard about it is yeah it, to me it sort of grounds me in like yes this is this is what i need to be continue doing that's really great and i from my personal experience i know people are much more open and collaborative during this time people are trying to communicate more because of everything that's been going on and like you said it's unprecedented and do you think mm-hmm. that this type of change or this approach or this you know calling you essential or people being so open to this and finding successes, do you think that this will permanently change the way you do your job or the industry as a whole? Hmm. That's a very good question. I think, well, you know, it's really interesting because dance movement therapists, because we work in so many different um, types of places. I think, you know, some people have completely had to adapt in a different way. Like they were meeting one-on-one with clients all week and now they're only meeting, you know, over Zoom, just like we are right now. And so I think in terms of like, how does it impact the industry? I think it really, it really depends on, you know, what, what mode the therapist was using, where they were working and, and then all of us adapting within those you know, parameters, I guess. So, so I think, I think overall though, I guess I kind of um, reflect on my last response, which is just about, you know, the growing need for therapy. I think, I think that, you know, mental health keeps sort of coming to the forefront 
as being something we can't ignore. <laughs> I think we like to um, brush it aside. And I think this, this time has been so challenging for every single person, you know, the, the people with, with um, yeah, it's been challenging for everyone. We'll just say it like that. And so, you know, the need for therapy doesn't discriminate. I think we can all benefit from, from processing about this time. So I'm glad that there's almost this positive push for people to engage in therapy, communicate and work collaboratively in those environments because in, in the mainstream, it's still somewhat, you know, unaccepted. It's, it's getting more and more every day, but I think everybody understanding that, you know, universal stress and having uh, fears, anxieties, and maybe in some level of seclusion from everybody else, I think that's definitely opens people's eyes to how much mental health is important. And I'm glad that that conversation is still being active right now. And yeah. I think it's just so hard though. You talked about people having one-on-one -on -one therapy sessions such a big part of the mental health healing process is feeling valued and feeling having that direct link of centered communication. Do you find that can be difficult if you're doing either in distance or with, you know, safety measures mm. and precautions? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I can't speak to, to teletherapy right now, really, because I haven't been doing that. I've been still doing in-person therapy, but I have to wear a mask. And obviously, you know, and I, we're working with so in my in my work i don't work we're not doing long-term therapy we're really you know helping to stabilize people and then send them on to long-term therapy hopefully but you know a lot of my clients when i come to work on any given day are meeting me for the first time because they arrived at the hospital maybe the night before and i'm wearing a mask and they never will get to see my face and they are given the option to wear a mask and many of them do some of them become very tired of wearing a mask which makes sense because they're you know staying overnight at the hospital but it's absolutely it it inhibits our ability to to sort of connect via facial expression i find that i'm I'm concerned throughout the session, how, how can I communicate with my eyes, forehead and eyebrows, everything that I hope to communicate, you know, with the entire capacity of my face, how, without that, you know, how do I communicate my compassion and empathy and care? And, you know, it's interesting, I'm thinking of a client that I had near the beginning of the pandemic, an adolescent, a young client who who asked me she said every time you're smiling would you mind giving me a thumbs up so that i know that that you know you're you're smiling at me and i i thought that was well it was kind of perfect for dance movement therapy you know we work a lot with movement and gesture but also i just thought like wow that really that really helps me to appreciate how hard it is for this client to be able to to trust me to to form a connection with me without being able to see my face <laughs> and and we are being going to be wearing masks for the foreseeable future in healthcare facilities so it's you know it's it's a continuous process how to improve yeah Absolutely. how to practice mm -hmm. and you it sounds like you're only in contact with these people for a short period of time and to establish that trust and kind of hope that you're able to give as much as you can in such a short period of time and feel comfortable sending them off to something else. 
it's so mm-hmm. vital to you know feel trusted or feel welcoming or receptive and understanding facials is such a big part of that mm-hmm. yeah and i think part of what helps with it is to name it right in the beginning you know oftentimes i'll say i know it's it can be difficult that that i can't communicate with you in the ways that we used to and and oftentimes like if I'm working with someone who's also wearing a mask I'm just seeing their eyes which also doesn't doesn't necessarily tell me as much as I might be able to gather from you know seeing their entire facial expression so there's a lot of sort of patient figuring each other out it's a little bit more it feels a bit more um yeah, like delicate or something. And I feel I take, I take it very seriously that that's, that that's important. So yeah, naming it can be really helpful so that people say, okay, good. You know that this is weird. <laughs> I'm like, trust me, I know this is, this is very strange, but we're going to work with what we have. This is also yeah. our world right now. You know, the, the therapy room is a, is a reflection of what's happening in the world. Not only do we bring what's happening in our world into the therapy room, but it's a, it's a microcosm of, of the larger world. And so, you know, if people are following the proper protocols, they're also wearing masks in the world. And, you know, when they go to the grocery store, everyone they're interacting with is, you know, through their eyes alone. And so, you know, we can practice that and talk about how hard that is in therapy so that when someone goes back into this strange new world that we have, you know, hopefully they have some, some tools for coping with it. Absolutely. And like you said, addressing it at the beginning, you know, sometimes just giving a thumbs up can give that much of confidence and communication. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody who's worked in this field or might be receiving therapy through this field, do you have any either words of advice or something that's been working personally well for you and your practice for other people who may be dealing with similar things right now? Mm. Well, I think, I think in general, what I can say about dance movement therapy in particular is, you know, we often think of therapy as a, as a talking experience as a process of talking about our thoughts and feelings and that's very important and we don't discount that in dance movement therapy but we also really embrace and acknowledge that not everything can be is ready to be articulated and not everything has a word to just you know not every feeling can be described in words words often feel inadequate so to sort of I guess for everybody, you know, it's the beauty of, of art and creativity is that we can use whatever other modes to try to find a way to express, you know, the unexpressible. So whether it be through movement, through drawing, through, you know, there, we all know there are so many different ways of making art. So yes, I would say I would encourage people to you know, allow themselves to explore expressing themselves in different, um, in different ways beyond just talking. So whether it be even, you know, writing, something different happens when we're writing versus when we're, when we're talking to someone. So just opening our minds. Yeah. To different ways of, of processing this very, this very unique moment. 
I like how you said earlier about sometimes words just seem inadequate. And I feel that that almost goes hand in hand with the, it's an unprecedented time. So in an unprecedented time, when words feel inadequate, mm. sometimes it can just feel great to do something you wouldn't expect, whether that be physical, whether it be writing it down. And mm -hmm. I think that's a really beautiful sentiment and something very useful. Mm. Well, good. I'm glad you appreciate it. <laughs> so as we close out, we'd like to give you the opportunity to either promote anything about yourself or resources for uh, things that you might suggest people have. At the end of this podcast, we'd like to leave um, either for other artists or people who might be looking either in the same profession or working with that profession, mm. resources for them or suggestions for them to work into this world. Is there anything you would like to promote or talk about? Well, I think, you know, the American Dance Therapy Association, if, if anyone listening to this wants to find a, a therapist, a dance therapist in their area, you can, you can look on our database. You can learn more about how to become a dance movement therapist there. In terms of my own work, I, I don't have a huge online presence right now. I feel very much in the world, but I do have an Instagram, which is called dancing period in work clothes, which I sort of, um, you know, I, I sort of present some, what I call just notes from the field, sometimes synthesizing some of my findings from work and my own life. And I kind of write quite a bit there and the idea of dancing in work clothes being that I'm a dancer in a hospital. And I think that that's really cool <laughs> that I am a professional dancer. <laughs> um, and yeah, gosh, is there anything else? I think turn on, turn on. I mean, a lot of people have been dancing in their living rooms right now, but I couldn't recommend it more. Turn on music that, that makes you want to move and, and move around your home. And, you know, sometimes we can get pretty stuck if our, if our mind is stuck, our, our body is stuck. And if we move one of those things, it'll help move the other. So get up and dance. Yeah. That's, that's what we're going yeah. out on. Get up and dance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We've really enjoyed thank having you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Support for our show comes from Michigan State University's College of Arts and Letters. Special thanks to Kellen Uhl for the interview. Links to Kellen's Instagram, as well as the American Dance Therapy Association website, are available in the show notes. <laughs>